You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Ben Fadden, host of the Talking Friars podcast in a segment we like to call Behind Enemy Lines, where we find out what is going on with the Cubs' next opponent. Ben, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. You know, let's talk a little bit about last season for the Padres. Uh, the Cubs faced the Padres seven times last season. Cubs took two out of three, surprisingly, in San Diego, but then you guys came back and swept us four games in June to take the series and series five to two. But I think the big news with the Padres last season was the all-star break trade moves right around then before the trade deadline. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so at the deadline, Luke Voigt, he was a, a fan favorite for the Padres, but they shipped him off to, na- to the Nationals uh, in that Juan Soto trade, getting Juan Soto was obviously a huge moment for the Padres. I know he he slumped, you know, at, at the end of the regular season, but we saw some good Juan Soto moments in the postseason. Uh, they also acquired Josh uh, Hader. They acquired Josh Bell in that Soto deal. They acquired Brandon Drury, who I thought, you know, a month before the deadline was like a sneaky addition that no one was talking about. They ended up getting him. So that was cool. He ended up having a pretty good Padres uh, tenure. It was short, but – Pretty good there. Uh, Hosmer finally got shipped out of town. My goodness. Uh, finally traded him. He didn't want to get traded to the Nationals. Can't blame him. So they still found a trade, traded him to the Red Sox, and then obviously you guys have him now. Um, they have really improved at that trade deadline, and then they made the postseason one of the wild card spots. The pitching was huge in that Met series. The others in – the Met series as well, not just Manny or Soto, but Trent Grisham was huge. Dirksen Profar, Josh Bell, uh, Will Myers. I know he didn't do a whole lot at the plate, but defensively he was good. The others were really good in that series, and um, it was cool. You know, Joe Musgrove in game three, Buck Showalter just totally was desperate, and Musgrove obviously wasn't cheating, and they get through that. Then finally beating the Dodgers, obviously that was the best moment. Uh, of of the season that game four win um, I, I really thought it was going to go to five games there at one point in that game but it didn't they came back and then obviously they fell short in the NLCS but last year it was a successful year it was a disappointing ending but it was a successful year now this year the expectations have only uh, risen based off of last season the ending there and they've gotten better this year they didn't have Tatis last year and they went all the way to the NLCS. And so it's for me, at least it's world series or bust for this Padres team. Right. Well, the, the Padres are one of the teams that have never won a world series. Now you guys haven't been along around as long as some teams, obviously. So let's yeah. just put that in perspective there. 
1998, you take on the Yankees and lose. But here's the one, and I'm going to not try to hold this against you, Ben, that bothers me. 1984 as a Cub fan, uh, washed up Steve Garvey, destroys the dreams of an eight-year-old Crawley, and uh, you guys end up taking the Tigers on and losing in 1984 after we were up 2-0 and just needed one more damn game to get to the World Series. So absolutely bothers me. But like you said, world season or bust for you guys. That's how you have to be looking at it. And, and trust me, you know, your, your owner, it seems expenses be damned. They're going for it. You had a few really interesting additions to the team. Obviously the big one is going to be Xander Bogarts and the Cubs were kind of really attached to him in the off season. It was, it was both from what we have been hearing. It was Bogarts and Swanson were between the two. And then you guys ended up picking up Xander Bogarts. How has that move worked out for you so far? As well as it definitely could have worked out so far. I mean, we were not expecting him to be hitting uh, over, or maybe some were expecting him to hit over 300, but to start the season with an on-base streak of, what, 23 games now, I think that's how many of the Padres have played, every single game he's getting on. And most of those games he's getting a hit. It's not like he's getting on by just hit by pitches or walks. Like, he's really earning his way on. And then defensively, he improved last year at shortstop, his last year with the Red Sox. And then this year, I've seen pretty much only good things defensively from him. So it's been great. You know, when Tatis, he obviously missed the first 20 games with the suspension. We didn't know how that lineup was going to shake out the top of the order. Was Bogarts going to lead off? Was he going to hit fourth? Now with Tatis back, he's going to hit fourth. But when Tatis was out, he was pretty good as the leadoff man whenever he did. Trent Grisham let off some as well. But him getting on base really set the tone uh, for the Padres lineup. The only problem was sometimes the guys behind them, you know, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, they've gotten off to slow starts and couldn't really cash in on all the opportunities with Bogarts getting on base all the time. So that's been disappointing, but Bogarts, just him, he has been uh, the best player on the team so far. Now you got a couple other additions, some names very familiar to Cub fans. Uh, Michael Walker and Matt Carpenter, we've, we've seen them plenty with uh, the Cardinals. Uh, Matt Carpenter makes his crappy salsa. It's nothing like the great salsa king of Chicago that we have here. But uh, you also have Seth Lugo and Nelson Cruz trying to kind of yep. keep it going. And then Adam Engel, who we know from the south side here in Chicago. How have those guys really kind of added to the mix? Yeah, so Adam Engel, he has not played yet. He's still on his rehab assignment, but from what I saw with the White Sox, good defensively, not going to give much offensively. Uh, Michael Walker, been uh, it's been up and down the last couple outings. He's really struggled, giving up a lot of hits, missing location. But the first couple outings, I mean, the Braves start, he struck out like 10 guys. He was great on the road there. Uh, Matt Carpenter's gotten off to a, a bumpy start. Um, he did uh, homer recently these last few games. He doubled. Um, I believe it was last night off the wall. So we're seeing some more positive things from Carpenter. He homered in Atlanta off of Spencer Strider, but there's been some more struggles there than I think anticipated, at least Padres fans anticipated. Um, Nelson Cruz has been struggling more though than Matt Carpenter, uh, at least as of late, especially against breaking balls. But yeah, with those guys, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Waka a little bit, but it's been rough these last couple outings, but he's going to get more and more opportunities in the rotation. It's not like 
the Padres are going to give up on him, you know, this early and send him to the bullpen. Um, Nick Martinez, Ryan Weathers, they've been sent to the bullpen, but they're not giving up on those guys. Those guys didn't really do anything wrong. Joe Musgrove just came back and they want to go back to a five man rotation with all the off days. The Padres, they started off this season with, I think, 23 games in 24 days. And they played the Mets, the Braves, the Diamondbacks have gotten off to a good start. So it, it, it's been a pretty tough start to the season uh, schedule wise, but now more off days should, should help. Well, you, you only have a couple of subtractions. You lost Jerks and Profar, uh, who you mentioned, you know, in the postseason, and Will Myers. So, yep. I mean, not a lot there. But you were just talking about the schedule. And I was looking at your schedule, and it was one of the goofiest schedules I've seen. I don't know about you, Ben. I hate. Like, if you want to talk about new MLB rules, I hate even game series. Give me okay. three games. Don't want two game series. Don't want four game series. So I look at your schedule. You open with four against the Rockies, then two with the D backs, then another four game series with the Brave. Finally, a three game series with the Mets, then another four game series with the Braves, with the Brewers, three against the Braves, and then four against the D backs. So out of this whole month, you've only had two three game series. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it feels like there's some series in here where I was like, all right, I'm tired of seeing this team. Uh, it just feels like they, yeah, these four game series are long, uh, but with the new schedule and the Padres, you, they are going to Mexico city and they're only playing like two games against the giants. So they kind of do have to offset that a little bit. Um, and then there's, you know, if you have a four game series against a division opponent early in the year, maybe later it's a two game series to even it out or something like that. Maybe it, yeah, I think the Padres, you know, it's just some weird schedule quirks here. Um, I mean, I I like obviously having a day off or two days off here in this week, but I think the Padres could have used a day off and not had a four-game series against the Diamondbacks or uh, against the Brewers, maybe have a day off because they, they were traveling from New York to back to San Diego and there was no day off there. Maybe have a day off there. You know, it, it's been kind of tough for the Padres. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had this discussion with a lot of people, the schedule makers. I really want, I, that would be, if I could ask Theo Epstein or Rob Manford a question. I mean, some of this is just so dumb. Like you said, traveling cross country and you're not going to get a day off. Yeah. I don't know. And so, you know, now that I look at the Padres records, they're 11 and 12 in third place in the NL West, but they're right behind the Dodgers who aren't fine, far behind the D backs. But it seems like the whole NL West, I think the Diamondbacks are two games above 500 and everyone else is either at 500 or below. Uh, what do you attribute the slow start to the Padres series? Has it been all the games or what do you think's really been hurting them? Definitely offensively. I mean, it's been really up and down, mostly down, but it's just been a lot of inconsistency. You know, there's one game against the Brewers where, Cronenworth hits two home runs. The offense breaks out. They score like 10 runs. And then the next day, they lose one nothing. And then the next day, they get shut out again, you know, shut out two days in a row. Uh, then they score one run. Then they win one nothing. So just that stretch right there, there's like no runs being scored. But then after winning one nothing, the next day, they score seven runs against the Diamondbacks. Then the next day, on Friday, they got shut out. They lost nine nothing. Then yesterday they score five runs. So it's just totally just a lot of inconsistency up and down. Manny's gotten off to a slow start. He's dealing with a little bit of a back issue. Um, Soto just totally not 
himself. I mean, he's watch, he's watching a ton of pitches. He feels like he's rolling over on every ball, just not himself. He, when he's himself, it just feels like he's line drive hitter, oppo easily. But when he's going oppo, it's a lot of just flyouts to left, you know, not a whole lot behind it. So that's definitely been frustrating for a lot of Padres fans. Cronenworth got off to a little bit of a slow start. I think he's getting a little bit better. Hassan Kim has gotten off to a slow start. So a lot of slow starts from starting players. And so Bogarts and Grisham's been all right. It feels like they have really helped out the offense's inconsistency. And I look at this more as like a positive, like the Padres right now, they're like one game under 500 and the offense hasn't been consistent. So just imagine what they can be when they are consistent. Well, let, let me go back to Juan Soto. You mentioned him, and it seems like a lot is being made about how, you know, Juan Soto is one of the guys that the pitch clock was made for, essentially, like a guy that took a ton of time between every pitch. Do you feel that that's what affect, is affecting him somewhat or or mentally, or do you think it's that prospect of he turned down a heck of a lot of money and, and you know, that, that, that may, you know, weigh on a guy? What do you think is really kind of behind his slow start? Yeah, I think it could be a combination of those two things. He did mention, I forget to which reporter, but it's not really mechanical, but it feels like it is. Like It just feels like he's pulling off the ball a lot and pulling off early on pitches that aren't inside. Um, being too selective, he has mentioned to the media that the pitch clock, he doesn't like it. Um, he likes to talk to everyone and he can't do that. But, yeah, you're not going to use that as an excuse. It's Juan Soto. He just has to be better. And he did say, I think, to MLB.com a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, that everyone is telling him that he's doing something, like he's not him, he's doing stuff wrong, but they're not telling him how to fix it. But it's also Juan Soto. So you would think he knows himself best, and he just has not been able to get out of it yet. He had a multi-hit game on Saturday, six multi-hit game of the season, which I was surprised that he had that many just of how, just because of how bad he has struggled. So hopefully he's starting to turn it around. But even the balls that he's hitting hard, they're on the ground. And that's just not usually who Juan Soto is. His ground ball rate, maybe it was entering this Diamondback series. I forget when I saw this. It was It's like 56%. It's pretty close to Hosmer. Like that's bad for Juan Soto. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Right. And, and, and another name that you, you mentioned earlier is, is probably a guy that kind of caused a lot of con- controversy. That's Fernando Tatis Jr. We know that in the offseason sometime between 2021 and 2022, he had a motorcycle accident that he wasn't up front with the team with, that he suffered a fractured wrist. And so he was missing most of 2022. And then you guys are expecting him to get him back. In, and he's, he's doing his uh, minor league rehabs in August. And you guys are rolling. And then he gets popped for Clostebol, a synthetic form of testosterone. 80-game suspension without pay. 
And now he's back. He just came back Thursday against the Diamondbacks, that series. What's what's the feeling of the fan base about Tatis after all this kind of chaos and stuff? Yeah, at the beginning, and I was one of them, I was really disappointed in Fernando. Uh, we were definitely counting on him to come back. But now it's like, especially with the offense, their struggles, it's just like, thank goodness this guy's back. I mean, we're, we're just happy that he's back. Um, there's There are some Padres fans that don't like Tatis. There there was I, – I, last year I was sitting next to someone that said that they were going to boo him when he comes back. I, I doubt that. Maybe there will be a couple. But, no, most Padres fans, they love him. They always have. They, they We were just disappointed in him last year because it's one of those what-ifs. We didn't know we were going to go to the NLCS, but now looking back on it, it's like, what if Tatis was healthy? What would have been that year? Would they have been able to beat the Phillies? Would at least the series have gone longer than what it went? Would have gone seven games? What would have happened? And that's something that we're never going to know. All right. Well, you come into Chicago and, and, you know, this is where kind of, this is where we're really kind of interested in your opinion on this stuff. I do have the probables and everyone knows those are subject to change, but the Cubs get a day off. I don't know. Do you guys get a day off tomorrow too? Okay, so day off on Monday. So Tuesday, we, we roll around here, and we get 640 start here. Justin Steele, he for us is 3-0 and with a 144 ERA. Didn't have his greatest game last game, but this guy's one of those, like we, we kind of comp him. I know it's not fair to John Lester, just a bulldog, that even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he somehow finds a way. And then for you guys on the bump is going to be Blake Snell. He's 0-3 with a 6 ERA. But when I look at kind of the game logs that he has, I mean, he hasn't been abs- horrible, you know what I mean, compared to what the numbers look like. Yeah, his last outing wasn't that bad, but the outings before that, it's just normal first half Blake Snell. And it's frustrating, but it's kind of just something that Padres fans have to live with. Um, going into the first half of the season, we thought, or at least I had the hope that maybe this it'll, the second half Blake Snell, which is like one of the best pitchers in baseball, Maybe that'll be like the full year this season because he is in his walk year. Um, he, according to himself and Bob Melvin, like he was preparing better. He was like ready going into spring training, going into the season more than he had in the first couple years with the Padres. So that was encouraging. But then, you know, first few outings, it's or first couple outings, whatever it was, a lot of walks, you know, 70 pitches through three innings, you know, just typical Lake Snell nibbling a little bit, inconsistency, blaming some things like pitch calm and saying it's terrible. And, you know, you gave up a bomb to Pete Alonso in New York just on a fastball right down the middle. Like, it's just – it's frustrating, but kind of just waiting for him to turn it around in the second half or maybe turn it around a little bit earlier this year. Uh, but I think the Cubs probably have caught him at the right time. Okay, well, that takes us to game two. Drew Smiley, I don't know if you got to see this. I was at the game. It was amazing. He had a perfect game going into the eighth inning against the Dodgers. You're welcome for that one. Um, But Drew Smiley, you know, his first couple starts were okay, but the last few have been really, really good, and he's starting to kind of look like he looked for us um, when he last year, the second half. We we signed him last year, and – First half, not so great. And then all, he was injured a lot and just trying to kind of come back. But then the second half, the guy just went went off. And, and so 
Um, right now he's two and one with a three thirteen RA, but yeah, it went seven point two innings against the Dodgers. He gave up one hit, ten strikeouts. So I think you're catching him at the wrong time. And then Michael Walker is going for you guys, and he is struggling from the last few starts from what looks like giving up a lot of hits against Milwaukee, eleven hits, seven runs in four in four point one innings, and then the last start against Arizona, four innings, ten hits, five earned runs. Yeah, his fastball hasn't been good. Mislocation, especially that Brewers outing, like right out of the gate. It was extra base hit after extra base hit after extra base hit. Um, I just remember uh, Rowdy Telez hit a ho- couple home runs that game. Um, Yelich, Adamas, Voigt. It just, I was at that game and it was over by, you know, the second inning. That That's just how it was. And then last outing, I, I thought, it was going to be a little bit better. And then he got knocked around a little bit. I think it was the fourth inning could be wrong. Um, but yeah, first couple starts good. Next couple Rocky, um, the fastball. He's one of those guys where he has to hit the spot for the fastball to be effective. And just from what I've seen the last couple starts, that just hasn't been the case. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping he can turn it around uh, in this, this Cubs game here. Um, this next series, but yeah, he's one of the the guys that are you know down right now on the roller coaster of a baseball season. All right, and then you guys face Hayden Wesniski. We've had an injury in the rotation. Jamison Tyone has a groin injury right now, so that would have been it. Would have been usually Justin Steele, and then Tyone would have broke up the lefties. So you're going to be facing two lefties and Steele and Smiley. So usually Tyone would have had that start, but because of the off day and the injuries and all that stuff, it's Steele, then Smiley, and then Hayden Wesniski. And it's been a real big struggle for Hayden. He he came in, we got him last year from the Dodgers in the Scott Efros trade, and the guy all of a sudden when he started, I want to say it was in August, the guy was an absolute stud and absolutely closed it out real strong to end the season spring training. The guy looks untouchable, probably other than Marcus Stroman looked like the best pitcher on the team. And then so far this season just hasn't happened. One and one with the six twenty three ERA and he got that win against Oakland. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. He's just not going deep. He's, you know, most of his starts are three, maybe four innings, giving up three or four runs. And then the bullpen gets taxed after that. So that has really been a struggle for us. And we're hoping that somehow, you know, when his, it just, he's not throwing his cutter a lot, which is surprising. His slider hasn't looked as sharp. So definitely nerves for us. For you guys, you got Seth Lugo two and one with the 278 ERA. So looks like a good start so far for Seth. Yes. I, I had questions going into the year, maybe not the beginning of the year, but more second half of the year, just as the year goes on, will Seth Lugo be able to be a starter the whole year? Like he has not, been able to be a starter or had that starting experience since like 2018 with the Mets. He's been in the bullpen. So he's not going to be the starter the whole year. Uh, They've got to save some innings there, but to start the year, I mean, he's been really good in in terms of attacking the zone. His first outing, he had, I think over 20 first pitch strikes of the 25 or so batters that he faced. Uh, He was really, really good in that outing. Uh, the breaking ball obviously is fantastic. I've I've been definitely impressed by him. The velocity continues to be there, and it seems like he has the mindset of yeah, I'm willing to do whatever I can to help the team. But he he is fully his his mind is fully set on yeah, 
I'm going to be a starter. This is what I came here to do. And he's determined to do that. And so far it's looked really good. All right. Well, I mean, you know, let's see what happens. The Cubs are hoping to split the series with the Dodgers. The Dodgers have taken two, the Cubs have taken one. So we're kind of hoping out, you know, like I said, four game series, you look at splits, you know, but, but, you know, it's hard to win three games out of four, but uh, you know, and then the Padres come rolling in. We're looking to having some fun out there and uh, hopefully it's going to be a really good series, Ben. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm happy that the, the Padres are missing Mark Stroman. Um, <laughs> definitely happy about that. My question here is about old friend Eric Cosmer. How's how's he doing so far this year? So here's the thing. We we have a guy in the minors named Matt Mervis, and yeah. Matt Mervis absolutely went through the system last year. He started at high A, and everywhere he went, he crushed home runs. And every time he went up a level, not only did he increase his home runs, he decreased his strikeout rate, which is unusual. And so, you know, he had a bad 2021. He was undrafted. It wasn't really as fair because it was like that five round draft. And so what ends up happening is, is Matt Mervis really this guy that from 2022, here we are in 2023 in Iowa and he is still crushing it. Hosmer, obviously you guys are still footing the bill. So we're paying him $720,000. So the belief is, is that we wanted to see the Cubs wanted to see what Mervis would do to start the year. Was that a fluke or was that looking like the real deal right now? It's looking like the real deal. So if you're asking most, you know, Cubs experts right now, the belief was Hosmer was there as just a kind of a comfort blanket to have, you know, Trey Mancini, the Cubs signed and they signed Hosmer first, but then Trey Mancini and Trey Mancini was supposed to be the primary first baseman. And then Hosmer was just kind of like, kind of, uh, you know, went working on different um, depending on what was pitching that day, righty or lefty. So the belief is, is when they are comfortable and they think that um, Mervis is ready to come up, then Hosmer will just be let go DFA. That that's the belief. So he's not doing anything spectacular. He's not doing anything horrible. He's, he's, he's fine in the role that he's in. They also wanted him when Matt was in spring training to kind of just kind of work with him and kind of, you know, help him kind of learn the ropes of what it's like to be a major leaguer. And, and so uh, uh, Mervis talked really highly of both Hosmer and Mancini. The Cubs did a lot of getting high character guys. That was one of the big things they do because they do have a really good young farm system. A lot of guys bubbling up. So when you talk about Mancini, when you talk about Hosmer, when you talk about Tyone, when you talk about Swan, uh, Dansby Swansea, Swansby, who uh, we acquired in the off season, not only, you know, th- those guys are known for being great clubhouse and great character guys. And hopefully when the young guys come up, these are going to be the guys that really mentor them. So obviously Hosmer would be DFA'd and then you would hope Mancini would be the one that kind of takes Mervis under his wing and shows him what it takes to be a big leaguer. Yeah. I was, I'm a big fan of Dansby. So I love that move for the Cubs. Definitely love that. I, I would have been fine with the Padres getting Dansby, uh, but I, I obviously love Xander Bogarts. He has been just tremendous and he's another great leader. Seems like great clubhouse guy. Um, yeah. With Hosmer, if you if the Cubs were to have him long term uh, for a couple months, maybe or just longer than what most Cubs fans probably expect, I think the production's going to go down just based on experience. He usually gets off to those good starts. I know last year he did hot, you know, April, and then it it really cools down. So just just a warning if the Cubs continue to have him. If he is still here by June 1st, something has horribly gone wrong with Matt. Right. That's what I'm, that's pretty much what I'm going to tell you. So, 
Hey, man, it was great talking to you, Ben, and let's do this again when the Cubs and Padres meet back up again in June. What do you think? Most definitely. Thanks for having me. No problem, brother. You take care, and, and good luck after you leave Chicago. All right. Thank you. Take care.